expression, peace on earth, was first heard when Jesus was born. It will become a reality when Jesus returns for his thousand-year reign. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at the millennium, a period of unprecedented peace and prosperity as Christ reigns on earth. To introduce the conclusion of his message, What on Earth is the Millennium? Here's David. Well, you've heard it. Uh, We went through a time um, back when we changed over to 2000, and everybody was talking about the millennium um, because the word millennium means 1,000. It's a 1,000-year period. It's made up of two words, mille, uh, which is the word for a thousand, and annum, which is the word for year, millennium. And that's what we're talking about. We started yesterday. Today we finish up from Revelation chapter 20. And you should find your place there to join us so that you can follow along in the Scripture as we uh, talk about what is going to happen when Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation to set up his kingdom on this earth. Tomorrow here on Turning Point, uh, the subject is the judge. Did you know that there are two judgments in the future? There is the judgment seat of Christ where all believers will be judged. And there's the white throne judgment where all unbelievers will be judged. There will be no unbelievers at the judgment seat of Christ, and there will be no believers at the white throne judgment. But today, uh, we're getting ready to open the scripture once again to the 20th of Revelation. And when we do that tomorrow, we're going to talk about the judge who stands uh, before all of us the unbelievers at the White Throne Judgment. That's tomorrow here on Turning Point. I have in my hand the study guide for this series, and I need to say study guides because there are three of them. It takes three study guides to cover the three-month series that we are concluding this month, and the series is called uh, 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse, based on a book called The Book of Signs, a 460-page hardback book Available through Turning Point at davidjeremiah.org. Well, let's finish up what we started yesterday. What else is going to happen when Christ reigns on this earth for a thousand years? The Old Testament scriptures are absolutely, totally ununderstandable if there is no such period as the kingdom. Because most of the prophecies of the Old Testament, in fact, Dwight Pentecost, who is a tremendous scholar of prophecy, said... There is more information about the millennium in the Bible than any other prophetic event in all of the scripture. We push it off to the side. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's sort of controversial, so we avoid it. But the Bible says in the Old Testament that such a time is coming. Now, I don't have time to give you the myriad of verses that talk about it, but I'm going to give you a bunch of them, just one right after the other, rapid fire, and you listen to what the scripture says, Psalm 72, 11. All kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Isaiah 9, 7, once again, often referred to as a Christmas verse, but only part of it is a Christmas verse. The other part is a kingdom verse. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the hosts of the Lord will perform this. Isaiah 60, 21. Also your people shall be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Zechariah 9.10 I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. 
Luke 1, 32 and 33, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Without the kingdom, without the millennium, none of those could be fulfilled. Those prophecies all say there's coming a day when King Jesus is going to rule over this earth as it is now with his saints as co-regents with him. And it's going to be a rule of righteousness and peace that will last for 10 centuries for a millennium. Why does there need to be an earthly kingdom? Because Christ will come back and triumph on the very earth where he was seemingly defeated by his enemy. His rejection by the rulers of the world. Remember, he came unto his own and his own received him not. He will come back to the very earth where he was rejected. And this time there will be no rejection. And it will be when he comes again to rule this world in righteousness. He will at last pick up his inheritance and he will be the king everyone had hoped he would come to be when he came the first time. Do you remember when Jesus came at Bethlehem? And he started out and his disciples began to realize who he was in some fashion. They wanted to know, is the kingdom going to be now? They weren't really interested in Christ being the ruler of the world. They wanted to get the Romans off their back. They wanted him to come and set up the kingdom. But Jesus said, not now, but someday. And it's in this period of time that that's going to happen. So there needs to be a a millennium to reward the people of God and to respond to the prophet's predictions. Here's an interesting one that's just really simple. And that's to receive the answer to the disciples' prayer. Do you remember the disciples' prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Has that ever happened? Has his kingdom ever come and his will been done on this earth as it is in heaven? Not yet, but it's going to. One day when Jesus returns, his kingdom will come and his will will be done on this earth, even it is now being done in heaven. When the disciples prayed that the kingdom would come, they were looking forward to this very time we're talking about called the millennium. So the millennium is necessary to reward the people of God and to respond to the prophet's predictions and to receive the answer to the disciples' prayer. And finally... The kingdom is necessary, and I want you to listen carefully because then I want you to lose this. It is necessary to reemphasize man's depravity and the necessity of Christ's death. Let me show you what I mean. The Bible says that at the end of this 1,000-year period of time when Jesus is running the whole world, and Satan, if you remember, he's bound for 1,000 years. Do you remember reading that in Revelation 20? Satan is bound for 1,000 years. He's incapacitated. But if you read the text, it says at the end of the millennium, He's going to be released, and there will be one final rebellion. You say, well, where is the ungodliness going to come from? Well, only godly people will go into the millennium, but guess what? They're going to have kids. How many of you know righteousness is not inherited? How many of you know God doesn't have any grandchildren? He only has children. So the kids born to the righteous people in the millennium, some of them will become unrighteous. And at the end of the millennial period, in spite of all that has happened during the reign of Christ on this earth, in spite of all the righteousness that has been legislated, at the end of the millennial period, there will be a final rebellion against God. What does that say? It says that our problem is not our environment. <laughs> Amen? Anybody ever tell you that the problem we have in our world is our environment? If we could just educate everybody and get everybody straightened out and change the environment, everybody would be better? Well, I want to tell you something. God put two people in a perfect garden, and they rebelled. 
And at the end of the world, he's going to run a world for a thousand years in peace and righteousness. And at the end, there'll be a rebellion there. Why? Because the heart of man is evil. And it's not a problem of our environment. It's a problem of our nature that we inherited from Adam when he sinned against Almighty God. So the millennium will prove once somebody will stand before God at the great white throne judgment and say, Lord God, I just didn't have the right environment. And the Lord's going to say, I gave you a thousand years of perfect peace and righteousness and you still rebelled. Depart from me. I never knew you. We've had three perspectives on the millennium, four purposes of the millennium, and now we have five profiles of the millennium. What's it going to really be like on this earth? And all I can do here is just tell you what the scripture says. What will it be like? Can you imagine in your greatest fantasy what it would be like on this earth if all sin were removed? If all rebellion were removed, if all unrighteousness were removed from what you know of the earth as it is today. First of all, it'll be a time of great peace. A time of great peace. That's the first profile. Did you know, this is kind of a joke to me, but when I see it, did you know that right across the street from the United Nations building, there is a statue. And on the statue are these words, they shall beat their swords into plowshares. The United Nations is supposed to make that happen. Not. It's not going to happen through the United Nations. That will really only happen when Christ rules the earth. That which the world has longed for for so long will become a reality. Only then will the angel's message be fulfilled that he gave to the shepherds on that night outside of Bethlehem. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. All man-made implements of mechanized warfare will be eliminated. Even the natural kingdom will be at peace. Now, are you ready for a scriptural tour? Here we go. Hang on. Psalm 72, 7. In his days, the righteous will flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. Micah 4, 2 and 3. Many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the Lord of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. And out of Zion the law shall go forth. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, the wolf will also dwell with the lamb. This piece even extends to the animal kingdom. And the leopard will lay down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young ones will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It will be a time when war will be utterly unknown. Not a single armament plant will be operating. Not a soldier or sailor will be in uniform. No military camps will exist. Not one cent will be spent for armaments of war. Not a single penny will be used for defense, much less for offensive warfare. Can you imagine such an age when all nations shall be at perfect peace and all the resources of the earth will be made available for enjoyment and all industry engaged in the manufacture of the articles of a peaceful luxury? That's the way it'll be. It'll be a peaceful time. I know everybody says, is that possible? Not here. Not now. 
Not until Jesus comes and sets up his rule on this earth. And then it'll be a time of prosperity. Everybody's into prosperity. At least that's what I've observed by watching television. Everybody's into prosperity. Well, this will be a time of prosperity like you cannot imagine. Once again, listen to the word of God. Ezekiel 34, 26 and 27. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will cause showers to come down in their season, and there shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field will yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and they shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. Ezekiel 36, again, I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. The desolate land will be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, the land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. Amos 9.13, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. In other words, the cycle of reproduction in terms of the harvest will be so short that while the guy's out there harvesting, the plowman will be right behind him planting. It'll be an eternal production of food. And the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, the mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will flow with it. Zechariah 8.12, the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give its fruit, the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give her due. Isaiah 35, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. The millennium will be a time of peace, a time of unbelievable prosperity, and that it will be a time of purity. Sin will be kept in check and disobedience will be dealt with. Christ's kingdom will be a holy kingdom. Isaiah eleven nine. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 25, 9. And it shall be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Isaiah 66, 23, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Zechariah 13, 2, It shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land. They shall no longer be remembered, and I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to depart from the land. It will be a time of peace. It will be a time of prosperity. It will be a time of purity. Now, here's one I like. It's going to be a time of prolonged life. People are going to live longer. You know, if you study the Old Testament, and I have a chart in my Bible, maybe you have one in yours too, that shows how before the flood, people used to live to be really old. But when you get to the flood in Genesis chapter 6, something happens. 900 doesn't happen anymore. It starts going down and down and down until you get to kind of where we are now. 130 was old then, as it would be today. Many people believe that the flood changed the nature of the earth so that the canopy that protected us from the ultraviolet rays was contaminated, and so our ability to live long on the earth was destroyed. But in the millennium, watch this, in the millennium, everything that happened before the flood in terms of the longevity of humanity will return. Let me just give you one verse that's amazing. Isaiah 65, 20. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days, for the child shall die 100 years old. 
Now, just get that last phrase. When you are 100 years old, if you die, they will say he was a child. All of you who are working on 100 right now, doesn't that feel real good? Someday I'm going to be called a child again. And I'll be 100 years old. And people will live to be seven, 800 years. Some of them will live a great portion of the millennial period under the reign of Christ. Prolonged life. And finally, it will be a time of personal joy. The millennium will be an exhilarating era of happiness and contentment and joy. It will be the answer to many of the anguished prayers of the Jews and many of the heart's hopes that are represented here today. Once again, just a multiplication of scriptures. Are you ready for this stream of word of God coming to you from the Old Testament? Listen to this. Isaiah 9.3, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Isaiah 12.3, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Isaiah 14.7, the whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into singing. Isaiah 25.8, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all of their faces. The rebuke of his people and will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 30.29, you shall have a song and in the night when a holy festival is kept and gladness of heart as when one goes with a flute to come into the mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. Isaiah 42, 10 through 12, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants of them, let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voice. The villages of Kedar inhabitants and the inhabitants of Selah sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise to the coastlands. From several passages in the Old Testament, and these are just representative few, you get this impression that the millennial time is everything we have always heard it would be, even if we didn't know the Bible. A time of great joy and prosperity and purity and a time of peace and prolonged life. And King Jesus will be reigning and ruling on the throne of David, which will be in the city of Jerusalem. And out of Jerusalem will flow this wonderful reign of peace over all the world as we know it today. Can you imagine? Whoa. How many of you didn't know all this? <laughs> Isn't it interesting to see what God has planned? And listen to me now. Here's the kicker in the whole deal. You ready for this? This is just the prelude to heaven. This is the overture of heaven. You know, when you go to a concert or a big symphony... The orchestra plays an overture at the beginning, and it has a little snippet of all the different songs that are in the program. And you sit there, and the orchestra has put this thing together, and it gives you sort of a picture of what's to come. Well, the millennium is an overture of heaven, and it gives you just a little picture as you study it of what heaven will be like, not just on this earth, but on the new heaven and the new earth. And this same King Jesus will be in charge, and all sin and all death will be eliminated. And everything that's true about the millennium will get kicked up another level and into the eternal state we go, celebrating forever and ever with King Jesus. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus came the first time to become our Savior, and he's coming the second time to become our King. The coming of Christ to set up his kingdom will be so much different than the first time that he came. He entered the world the first time in swaddling clothes, He will reign the second time in majestic purple. He came the first time as a weary traveler. He will return the second time as the untiring God. 
When he came, he had nowhere to lay his head. When he comes back, he will be revealed as the heir of all things. Once he was rejected by tiny Israel, when he returns, he will be accepted by every single nation. Once he was a lowly savior acquainted with grief, then he will be the mighty God anointed with the oil of gladness. Once he was smitten with a reed, then he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. Once wicked soldiers bowed the knee in mockery, then every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Once he received a crown of thorns, then he will receive a crown of gold. Once he delivered up his spirit in death, then he will be alive forevermore. Once he was laid in a tomb, then he will sit on a throne. King of kings, Lord of lords, that's Jesus. And that's the millennium. And it's a fact that will be impossible for us to mistake if we read the scripture. Do you remember the commercial? I think it was for some kind of an oil filter. And the guy got on the screen and he said, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. And they showed the engine kind of coming unglued because he hadn't taken care to make sure the oil was clean. He said, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. Say that. Pay me now or pay me later. Well, I want to tell you something. Almighty God has put together a program just like that. Do you know what it says in Philippians chapter 2? Philippians 2, 10 and 11. This is what it says. Let's read it out loud together. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does that say? It says one day in the kingdom and before the white throne judgment, the Bible says every single knee of every single person on this planet will bow their knee before God and say for the final time and without any hope of the future, you are Lord and you are King and you are worthy. You're exactly who they said you were. But by that time, it'll be too late. When you get to that place in the prophetic scheme of things, it's beyond hope. You cannot become a Christian. Your opportunity is over. Now, here is the pay me now or pay me later application. Jesus says, one day, everyone's going to bow. You have no choice as to whether or not you will bow before the Lord. You will either do it now, voluntarily, in obedience and in humility, or one day you will bow before him. And you will acknowledge that he is king. How much better it would be for all of us that we have said, Lord God, I believe who you are. I believe your son Jesus is the savior of the world. I accept you as my savior. I bow before you as my Lord. I receive you into my heart. I bow my knee to you, Lord Jesus. When you do it now, you will never have to be forced to do it later because it will be the most natural and normal thing that ever comes to your life to love and worship and adore him. You know, sometimes uh, when we talk about things like this, uh, I hear people say, oh, well, that could be true. That may happen, but it's so long in the future, I'm not going to worry about it. Well, let me tell you, what we've talked about today and yesterday could take place beginning in seven years. Did you know that? Beginning in seven years, the millennium could begin to take shape on this earth under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the rapture, there's the seven-year tribulation period, and there's the millennium. 
So all of these things that we talk about, yes, they're in the future, but they may not be as far in the future as you think. And uh, so you need to get ready. Don't forget that during the month of May, uh, we have a future book for you called After the Rapture. It outlines what's going to take place after Christ comes to take his church home, what will happen on the earth. What's going to happen down here? If you are not a Christian and you miss the rapture, what will it be like for you? This is a very uh, serious book and one that you want to share with friends who have never accepted Christ. It will be sobering, perhaps help them to understand how important their decision is. It's yours for a gift during this month of any size. Ask for it when you send your gift. See you tomorrow. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. How is God blessing you with this ministry? Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, After the Rapture, An End Times Guide to Survival, which answers the question, what's next? It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in a variety of attractive cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Signs, right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Someone said that Solomon made a book of Proverbs, but a book of Proverbs never made a Solomon. That statement is both true and false. It's false because the book of Proverbs says explicitly that its truths can make one wise. But it's true because just owning the book of Proverbs or just owning a Bible doesn't make one wise or make one a Christian. The Bible is not a book just to own or even just to read on Sunday. 
It is a book to be obeyed and applied to life. It might not make us as wise as Solomon, but it can definitely change us. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God changes lives on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.